Goedemorgen. Goedemiddag. Goedemiddag. Welcome to the Aisha Network, where I, Chaya Evers, together with fascinating and remarkable women from the Amsterdam Jewish community, will be sharing stories and journeys on motherhood and womanhood. A little bit of English and Beit in Nederlands. Join us for the second season of our well-acclaimed podcast. The humid summer rain I've been choosing all pieces Oh, but the pieces never Okay, wow. Welcome, everybody. It's really exciting to be back for season two of our Haisha podcast. Um, it's been a year and a half since we last um, published our final episode before the summer break and then the next year started and we've been in a pandemic and now um, it's time to just get back on the horse and reacquaint ourselves with the fabulous women in our community. I have a guest today that I'm really excited to introduce, um, Mrs. Sarah Tance. Mrs.? I don't know, that sounds very official. Um, but um, Sarah moved here to Holland about a year and a half ago, or a year and a little bit ago. A year and a couple of months, yeah. Yeah, um, and she got through to me through the Haisha network um, that she found, that people told her about, and I'm really glad she did. She reached out because um, since then we've met for coffee quite a few times and had you and your family over for her Shabbat, and we've just become great friends, great energy. Sarah is a dancer, Zumba teacher. Um, you'll share all about you in a minute. But it's just Great. really lovely to have you here today. And I'm, I'm, if anyone here knows you, it's because they've been to your Zumba class. Um, and you're just awesome. It's really fun and just wild and exciting. And I can't wait till we could start again very soon after very this semi-lockdown. So go. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Kaya. Um, thank you so much for having me. I did move here a little over a year ago. And I've been really, really enjoying life in the Netherlands. It's been a lot of fun, a big adjustment to finding life with weather. I moved from Los Angeles, and it's it's just been really an exciting journey to find our way, even with the pandemic, and traveling around, not traveling around, feel it, seeing my kids thriving in school, seeing all kinds of new experiences for my husband with his work, and then also carving out amidst all of that, carving out my own space and what what's for me without having an official job and official work and then, you know, wanting to do a little bit more outside of just, not just, but just outside of my family responsibilities. And it's been a really, really wonderful journey. I'm enjoying it, every, every minute of it, really. And um, I'm so glad that we're going to still be here for a while. Wow, yeah. yes, I'm happy too. And you know, what I find so interesting is, you know, I come from New York, you come from California, but you're from New York originally. That's true. So we're fellow New Yorkers. Yes. But, you know, coming from America to Holland is a huge, huge adjustment. And, you know, people always say, why would you do it? How could you do it? And they don't realize that Amsterdam, Holland is a, great great place to move to at least that's how I feel I felt when we were first talking about with um with my husband about the possibility of moving there had been some other places that had come up as potentials nothing nothing none of them ever really panned out but the idea was there about them and when Amsterdam came up it was just such a firm yes People speak English here, and it's a relatively, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a city. It's a very cultural, it's a cultural hub. There's a lot of 
interest and cultural things to see and do. There's so much nature. And it was an easy, easy transition. I could tell that that was going to just be a fluid way to be here, way to have this adventure, international adventure. Well, I could definitely say that um, your attitude coming here is really the right mindset because when I came here, I also was really excited and people said, why are you coming here? And I was like... (laughs) You know, I was excited about it. And I think that's also really helps when you're changing to a really different mentality to come with this attitude of like, I want to be here. I want this to work. And I think that's really awesome that you have that as well. But how is it for you coming from, you know, Los Angeles, you're very traditional as a Jewish family coming, sending your kids to like a Jewish school and then Mm -hmm. coming to Amsterdam and, you know, having to like find and navigate the Jewish community here, which is very, very different than in Los Angeles. And I would be interested for you to share with our listeners a little bit about how that was for you and how like you feel in this community. It's very diverse and wide and broad, if I could say, I don't know. Um, So I just wonder how that experience was for you. I mean, I remember you were telling me about all the shul hopping you did. So maybe you could share that. Right. Um, I guess you say how it was for me. I guess it's still, it still still is. is. We are still becoming and still finding our way. Um, I, I really do feel like we've been very well received and everybody we've met has been really warm and, and welcoming. And um, my first day at Shul when I went to Amos, I met Liz Weil and yeah. she told me about you and Haisha. Oh, she, you. she found thank me. I was, th- I was there by myself. I actually did not go with my family. I went rather than creating any pressure for my kids to have to go speak to Dutch people and and my husband stayed home with everybody and I went out for an adventure to go check out our first shul here in Amsterdam and then there I was walking around in the Kiddush by myself (laughs) and Liz came up to me and she said hi who are you what's going on and I felt immediately received and it was really nice very special and since then we kept going back to Amos and people have been really really warm to us there and we went recently, we also went to go visit the liberal shul and also a warm community there. Now it's in the pandemic. So there's not really a whole lot of socializing that happens. But the rabbi was very warm and a few people came over and spoke. But it's, mm-hmm. it's surreal to show up at shul wearing a mask and not knowing anybody, yeah. and then people are really not even supposed to stick around and, right. and make and they can't really see your face or how you and look. And they can't make your they can't make out your face or anything. So that that's all been weird. And where else have we been? We've been to Bendigamos. My son is studying for his bar mitzvah now, which right, is in February, that. which is also surreal to be planning a bar mitzvah in a foreign city in, in the a midst pandemic. Of a pandemic. And who will be able to come? And will anyone be able to come? And all of that, you know, planning for something that feels like it may be impossible is yeah. a, um, surreal. Um, and you have to, you just have to let go. Like there's nothing much let you go. Can do. Just, just you have no control. It. Exactly. And we met a lot of nice people there. I just feel like everywhere we go, we're meeting a lot of really lovely people. And then the more we keep showing up in any place the more I keep seeing those people oh we also were very very warmly received our first Shabbos here by Akiva and Taibi Kamisar and and it just feels like we've been meeting a lot of different kinds of Jews in a lot of different kinds of settings and I've always liked that I've never I mean I, I grew up modern orthodox and I like modern orthodox shul 
but I also really like American conservative shul, which mm-hmm. is a bit different. Okay. Um, and I guess we've had some music and instruments, and I and I enjoy sitting with my husband, but I'm just as happy to not sit with my husband. Right. So, I so kind you like of, to have like a canvas experience. Exactly. I, I, I like Jews, <laughs> and I like worshiping with Jews, so I'm happy to go to any kind of different service and participate in that and see what it's like. Right. I like to sing, so not every place sings as much as other places, so there, totally. you know, I like to find a place that sings, and then, I, then of course, I like to hear a sermon, and then I like, there are not a lot of English sermons here, but you know, <laughs> keeping on going up, showing, showing up to shul, meeting people singing with people, vibrating in that way has been really, really special yeah. and made me feel very welcome and created the experience of, you know, enveloping me, feeling like I'm right. in the community. Though. But it's really true about Holland. This is what I found is you really got to show up. And once you become part of the scenery, just everybody knows you. It's a very broad community. And I think yeah. there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. You know, and, and Haisha, and I met women through you, and then I saw those women at the Chalabake a long time ago, right. and then, you know, just keep showing up. And the more I would show up, the more I felt like I actually knew people. You know, I feel yeah. like my kids will say stuff like, oh, so and so's your, like, is, is that your bestie? Oh. <laughs> Referring to people as like, oh, are you so, such close friends? We're besties. We're besties. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of acquaintances. That's really nice. But it's nice to show up and be recognized. You know, yeah. I feel it's, it's different than being on the outside. If you're, if, nobody knows who you are if you're not really showing up yeah. and you're a newcomer every time you come and nobody knows who you are yeah. then you're on the outside and it doesn't feel nearly as good to me yeah, to be on sure. the outside of a worship community that I want to be on the inside of for so. sure like take the take the initiative you did that like really like you call people made networks connections like now we all know you <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> okay so I always find it really interesting to when I meet women and when I interview women is to really ask them also about their journey as a woman or as if their mother also as a mother and I think you know you have a very diverse Jewish background um you know you say you grew up more than orthodox but you like to go to all different um or whatever like um areas in Judaism but for yourself as a Jewish woman like what 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 did you define yourself as that like how did you find your way as a Jewish woman like what did I don't know just share a little bit about that journey to who you are as a person with your values and also not only in a Jewish way but just as a member of society and part of this world and just would be interesting to hear um, so I did grow up modern Orthodox, and I went to a Jewish day school called Ramaz, and it was very academically challenging. And I found, in most ways, I think a lot a lot of people who go to Jewish school can end up feeling like their Judaism is really kind of something upon which you're graded, and it's kind of like becomes this academic thing that you do. And um, showing up at shul, and there were my teachers were there, and I don't know, it was, it was kind of an awkward space for me, to be honest, and I, I did well in school, but I always had this idea that I could do so much better in school if I hadn't had the extra subjects. Like, I, there was definitely a conflict in it for me, um, but I always liked going to shul. I always liked hearing people sing in shul, and I loved sitting upstairs. We had a beautiful sanctuary in our shul called Kihilach Jeshurun, KJ, and it was like, um, 
just a beautiful balcony and I remember sitting up there and my mom didn't usually come to shul and I could always hear my dad's voice over everybody else's voice <laughs> downstairs and first I thought it was embarrassing but then I really really grew to think that was so special and now my dad has passed and I really miss that so much but at the end of school there was a lot of talk about the gap year and people going to Israel going to Israel for the year and I wanted to go to Israel but I did not want to go to yeshiva I wanted to make sure that I was going to go somewhere where I wouldn't have to wear a skirt and and it not a sem- I didn't feel like a seminary experience was going to be right for me. I wanted to have more like a Hebrew U experience. Um, but I don't think my parents were really ready to send me just off to an international university experience. And someone recommended that I go on a USY program called Nativ and that was a conservative program and I thought to myself, great, it'll be <laughs> totally not religious and I'll be able to do whatever I want I could wear pants I'll never have to go to services and I just didn't really even research it very much I just knew I wanted to go and um, I I went on this program and then fast forward I'm there on the program and we actually have to show up to tefillah every day (laughs) we had to bench after all the meals that we ate communally and I was feeling a little bit trapped. I had thought that conservative Judaism, from my narrow modern Orthodox approach, I had had a very different perspective, and I did not know what conservative Judaism was. Mm-hmm. And USY conservative Judaism, like hardline conservative Judaism, very much overlaps with Orthodox, modern Orthodox yeah. with modern Orthodox. So it's really just like you sit together but almost everything else. And there are certain prayers that women could lead that but not even for not even past Psuke de Zimra, like yeah. in hard line with halakha. Um, like in hard line USY, I think that, that not even that is allowed. So it or at least at that point maybe it wasn't. Um, and then I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this is too religious for me. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. And I asked if I could switch off the program. And the director of the program said, just stay for the first trip. And if you like the first trip, and you want to stay, I'll keep you. And if you don't, then I'll find you another program and I'll, I'll find something else for you to do in Israel. So, of course, we went on the first trip and there was all of this singing, singing on the bus, singing all through benching, like all of this real ruach by these kids. Yeah. And I, I mean, at first it was very hard for me because it seemed so... For lack of a better word, it seemed really... This is so judgmental, but it, I was being judgmental. It seemed so nerdy. It was <laughs> made me so uncomfortable to think like that we were all doing this, and I couldn't. I was incredulous that like kids actually wanted to do this, like to yeah. participate with such energy. And I, but I was the odd man out, the odd woman out. I was the odd one out, not participating. So unlike you. <laughs> with, with a full voice. But this experience totally changed my whole way of life. And um, I became the person who grabbed the mic on the bus every time. And I sang Tfilat HaDerech. And I like had a whole thing about, like, a, like I was a rock star. I mean, it was, it was like Passar the mic. Yeah. And I was able to embrace this real ruach, this whole real singing. I mean, I must have sang very many times growing up in in my school environment, 
but there was just something different about this. All of us, I don't know, I can't, I, I can't explain what the difference was. I mean, maybe, maybe of it was just a, it the, was... the path that you needed to be on and it felt right for you. It didn't feel forced or academic. I think Jewish schools have that conflict, whereas you're trying to teach Judaism because you want children to have a rich Jewish um, upbringing. Mm-hmm. But because it's school, it becomes this stressful academic thing. Right. So you're learning it for the test, but not because v'chai bahem, to mm-hmm. live, like being a Jew is to live in it. Right. So if it becomes a whole bunch of set of motions that you just have to do it because it's part yeah. of the, you know, then it, it, it loses that passion. For sure. So maybe I, I you felt found... very, very disimpassioned by, by it. Right. It's true. And then I'm sure some of, a lot of it had to be the backdrop of the adventure of it all and all these new people. And being in Israel yeah. surely must have lent to my inspiration of the entire event too. You know, you go sing on the top of Masada. That's very different from singing benching in the, in the lunchroom at my school. Yeah. So, um, so I then of course stayed on the program, loved the program and came back with a whole new way of connecting to my Judaism. Then of course I came back and I only wanted to wear skirts (laughs) (laughs) and I had this whole, it was funny and I was totally keeping Shabbos. Like my whole the pendulums really swung of where I had not been really feeling personally connected to my own Judaism. I was a very well-educated Jew, but not deeply connected to then also being a very well-educated Jew with a whole new perspective and a deep connection of my nice. own through being on this program. Nice. Really, yeah, really it really nice. was. Yeah. <laughs> it really, you really know, was. it's so funny. You're like one of, I think the sixth person that I, that I interviewed, I, we had a few more, but that had such a similar story how their their whole, like a few of the other women that I interviewed, this same experience happened when they went with Bnei Akiva to Israel. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that it's this common thing. There's something about Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, they say just the ear in Israel, it like opens up your, your heart and your mind to Torah and to connection because of, because of where it is. So you just need a place to connect, to bring it all together. So you had that. But it's interesting to see how so many women, you know, Maybe now they don't feel it or they do feel it, but it started in Israel with this um, year that really um, pushed them into a certain journey or direction or attitude or idea. Mm-hmm. So I find that really, really special to see that. Um, okay, so then you... you um, so then yeah. I came back from Israel and was very interested in continuing part of the program was that you sign I guess a contract that you're then supposed to stay involved with USY and I staffed a teen tour and um so I got to explore I went on a teen tour all around the the U.S. and um saw so much and through a Jewish perspective and that was interesting and then kept kept doing that but you ended up in California so you're from New York and you end up in California and your husband's also from New York yes so you're both he was working in, in L.A., and we ended up, we, he also went to Ramaz, and we have a very cute long story, but long story short, we were not dating at all through school, and we ended up kind of really meeting as adults at his sister's wedding. Wow. And so you knew each other from like knew, way back. Yeah, we knew each other. Like when he brought me home to introduce me to his parents, his mom, you know, was like, hi, Sarah. Yeah. I'm in videos of um, my friend, his sister, PJ's birthday parties from I'm, I don't know maybe 
kindergarten. That's adorable. And so we're, we go we go way back, but we never had anything to do with each other until he asked me to dance at her wedding. And I immediately thought to myself, a Jewish guy with the right background that I want who can dance. And I thought, I'm going to marry this guy. Wow. But it took a long time before that happened. It was actually a couple of years. Okay. Um, but we were long distance. We weren't dating long distance. It was... I was in New York actually teaching English at Ramaz at the school okay. where we both went to school <laughs> and having a really also very interesting experience coming back to that environment as an adult and seeing kids going through that, their experience there and who am I back at this place. It was a whole meta, meta thing. It yeah. was really, really interesting and I loved teaching there. And then... Anyway, we ended up dating. We ended up dating long distance, and then I moved out to LA. Wow! And again, there began searching for community, and then where would I go to shul? What would my life look like here? And um, that was a, that was also a really interesting and wonderful adventure. And we found ourselves at a modern Orthodox shul and which was really progressive and very open and he's actually there's a rabbi there Ravi Yosef Knefsky and he works with a rabbinit and okay. um, Alyssa Thomas newborn there is she's not a rabbi she's not a woman rabbi but she has she's a yoetzat halacha okay very I've heard about this it's like kind of like um she has certain positions within the shul like community mm -hmm. like giving the speech or certain parts of davening that a woman can say things like that i'm not sure if honestly i'm not sure if i've ever seen her daven i don't know if she would daven in, in a mixed in a mixed yeah. um environment but she would get up and give a dvar torah she would give a drash and she leads very many things she essentially is the assistant rabbi but in mm -hmm. an orthodox woman form I find it really interesting because, you know, it is kind of keeping within the boundaries of halacha. And I think, I mean, maybe it's not the kind of shul that I would go to, but I could also understand why for some people that really um, resonates. And I think like, I mean, we had once some Ayyotzer Halacha come here to Holland and she was really, really interesting. She was like certified from um, in Israel, like, and she really knew so much. I was like blown away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's it's very advanced. It's, We've come it's, far. It's very progressive. It's yeah, really, very. really amazing. I think it's really inspiring. I mean, she's a fully orthodox woman. So she's not, she's not a regular assistant rabbi. She's right. not doing a lot of things that Rabbi Konevsky would do. She doesn't get up in front of the, um, she doesn't daven basically. Okay. That would, ne that would okay. never be what she would do. But she's available. It's a very special role because not every woman wants to go to ask a man every question that right. may be troubling her in her marriage or ethically or anything yeah. Jewishly. And this gives a whole other perspective. Of it's like a Rebbitzin. Who's considered yeah. esteemed in the community. And it could be a Rebbitzin. Yeah. It could be like a Rebbitzin. But I guess her role is, is not the, the wife, wife of, the, of rabbi, the rabbi. But her she's official is, status of It's Rabbanit. her own role. It's her own professional carved out space that she's made for yeah. herself so it's not her in conjunction with someone else it's her wow. own thing very nice so so that's yeah. the shul and community you found yourselves so we found of. ourselves there and that was also a very very broad community from full 
I mean, I guess from women wearing shaitals in that community to people who drove there on Shabbos, there okay. is, you know, a whole yeah. wide array, but it was an or- it's an orthodox shul. Yeah, but everyone who comes doesn't have to be, that's the thing, I think, a misconception that people in Holland have, because in America, we're exposed to so many different kinds of, like, groups within Judaism. I mean, I spent a year in Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, in Nashville, and I met, there were so many different kinds of reform shuls, mm-hmm. like, or conservative shuls, and, and I was working for Chabad, and, you know, but at the end of the day, what what I see, see in America is Jews are welcomed into shuls. You don't have to be the the level of the shul in order to go into the shul. Mm-hmm. And I think in Europe, it's so much more like old style, traditional, that everyone just goes to the shul that they fit to and they don't really mm. know about any other kind of communities within their community. Mm-hmm. It's not as, but it's really true. Like, you know, you even if you go to Chabad shul in America, like you have all kinds of Jews from like the same exact, like from Shetels to driving on Shabbos and everyone mm-hmm. is welcomed inside the shul. So right. I think it's... I think Chabad is especially a, a, a model of that kind of welcoming of, ev- of everybody. That's, if I would imagine that's, I don't know what the mission of Chabad is, but no, it's to, a bit really, to that. welcoming everybody into shul. If you're a Jew, this is a place for you. You can right. come inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I grew up Chabad, so I'm always like using Chabad as an example, but right. I'm sure there's other groups as well, but I think you're right. But in modern orthodoxy as well you have this because there's so many different Mm -hmm. there are people who maybe they don't practice everything like a modern orthodox Jew but they identify with modern orthodoxy Mm -hmm. they like a a traditional space and maybe they want to be with people who show up to shul in a certain way and maybe certain couples don't want to sit together even though they may lead more kind of a they may not lead a, a modern Orthodox life. They like to be in that kind of shul. Maybe it resonates from how they grew up or some yeah. aspirational feel. You know, it's, there's, I think a lot of people choose shuls that way. Like what yeah. feels right. This shul, um, B'nai David that I'm talking about has a great vibe and wow. it's just really vibey. And that's where we started having kids and that's where we got our really cultivated our, um, our first group, our, our Jewish community in LA. We had other friends outside and friends through Larry's work. And I made lots of friends through my dance community and everything that I was doing and that he was doing. But the, that was our first Jewish home. And we, my friends and I, we were all having kids together. Now, um, Freddie's having his bar mitzvah and my group of friends, we all had boys at the same time. I had Lily first and then, and then a lot of my my whole group of friends all had boys that wow. same that same year. It was really wild. So now um, everybody's were like bar mitzvah, bar, mitzvah. bar mitzvah after bar mitzvah, which is so strange now also to be here. One of the things that had been so crushing was that Freddie would miss his whole cohort's bar mitzvahs. And now, even if we had been in, in L.A., there it would never would have looked like what we imagined it would have been looking like yeah well you save a lot of money on plane tickets (laughs) (laughs) but um so I find it very interesting I would love for you to share also about you know you're you said you were a dancer and you um you you used to give I mean you give Zumba classes here in Amsterdam Mm -hmm. but maybe you could share a little bit about um about your dancing and um yeah what it's like so when I how after after college I don't know. I had some. I had a job. I was working on a supporting people on a trading desk, which was like the opposite of anything I could ever imagine myself doing. But um, I had this nice job, and I 
was let go from the job. It was mutual. Um, and I ended up having a lot of free time, I guess, having tons of free time. <laughs> and I showed up to the gym and I at like what I, you know, like freelance person times, like 10 a.m. I was showing up and I saw that and looked inside one of the rooms, one of the studios, and this woman was giving this beautiful class and everyone was like rocking out and having so much fun, but nobody was doing the same thing and I couldn't really understand what was happening. And she looked at me through the, through the, the window in the door and she kind of made like a come to me like come on in she was using her finger to like welcome me into the room in the middle of the class and I was wondering oh my gosh and I I, just, I did I walked in the room and right. I just took the class and the class was called Nia and it's neuromuscular integrative action and it's a mind body fitness class wow. that has very basic kind of choreography and um is a it's a mind body, so it's really designed to be a spiritually uplifting class. And the cues that we would use in class would be, you know, lift your hands, lift your hands to the heavens, or cut the grass, or make an offering of your heart. Wow, and I like that. So I use that a lot. Yeah. I combine that with my Zumba for the classes that you've been to. Um, so after a while, um, people would people would always be asking me what do you what do you do and I would try to explain to them so eventually I ended up getting certified in that class in that technique and then I was teaching classes and loving it for a long time and I taught it as a PE class when I was teaching at Ramaz and I would really just use it whenever I could as a way to I enjoy it so I was working out and then I was teaching these classes a nice way to connect with people and then um I got really tired of, of when people would ask me what I do and I'd have to answer with this long essay because yeah. <laughs> nobody knows what Nia is. I couldn't just say, I teach Nia. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to rebrand and I decided to get certified to teach Zumba because everybody knows what Zumba is and that was very simple and straightforward. And my Jonah, who's now nine, was like, I don't know, under two at the time. I remember when I went to go do the certification, he was a little baby. And um, and then I was certified to do Zumba, which is very, very similar in its formula to the other class that I was teaching. So but you combine it. I combine it. So I think every teacher would agree that he or she is the sum total of everything they've learned up until yeah. that point, right? You can't just teach the the book that you're you teaching for the like, class you're teaching every experience that you've had around that that informs your understanding of the book so similarly um my zumba practice was informed by my nia practice was informed by my judaism and yeah, everything I think, else i think in, i mean i'm a teacher i have that same you don't just teach in a square you have like experiences that influence right. how you teach absolutely so i get that yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I was teaching Zumba and then I would like to do special holiday things and I would want to do like a Hanukkah Zumba class and um, expand out into, I ended up doing a lot of holiday classes. I was very moved to do particularly a Hanukkah class or then I would, people would see, were seeing what I was doing and then sisterhood would ask me, how about a Purim class or how about a this? And mm -hmm. then I was able to develop this niche market of moving it I would do regular straight up Zumba classes and then I would also do this kind of more Jewish 
Zumba, Zumba. thing. Frumba. <laughs> no, I, have, I have so many different names for it, but nothing quite quite sticks. There's Zumba for yeah. the Jewish soul. I like that. Yeah. Um, I like Frumba. Yeah. Um, and that, but I think Frumba sometimes can alienate people, people who think right. that they, that you have to be from. Especially to go. here in Holland, from means like very religious. Like right. I'm from, you know, <laughs> like so. <laughs> so um, I I never want to alienate anybody. So right. I'm I'm always still looking for a name. We'll see what what materializes over time. Okay, maybe there'll be more more stuff like get you learned so you could like expand it with another kind of dancing absolutely, method absolutely. but I love when you do the Zumba I love the movements that you're like reaching your hands up to the sky I always find that very like freeing like I was dancing with the kids I think after Shabbat and I was doing it and they're like mom what are you doing I'm like just letting it go it's like, <laughs> what are you doing but it's I a really that. nice movement um, you know um that movement in particular like what you're saying when you kind of put your arms up and it's like a funnel into your heart um, that's that's um, actually like a real power technique from Tony Robbins. Oh, <laughs> and he's like, you kind of can just like when you put yourself into that like Wonder Woman position and yeah. you stand and you're opening up, you are gathering a lot to yourself. You're reaching out your your biggest self, and if you ever have a meeting or you ever have something that you like really need to gather your power and mm. your strength for, you can just stand like at the door for a moment and do lift your arms up yeah. and out. And you know, triangle between your hands and your heart, and I find that so. It, it's true. You just there's something you feel like a certain power, like when you're dancing and your arms go flying up. It's yeah, really nice. I really like it. It is really nice. <laughs> the beginning, the first lesson, I have to say, killed me. I was like dead. <laughs> and then the next week, I'm like, I just pushed myself. I'm like, just go again. And then it was like a little bit easier. And I'm really not so good at dancing, but I don't care. I just like the movements and. It's nice. Well, I, I hope my, my goal in a class is really to get people to laugh. I don't know if anyone knows that that's my goal, but underlying, if I can make you laugh, that really makes means that you're having a good time and that you're okay. not taking yourself too seriously. Well, you're very like, you make these funny faces like you're in a theater, so it makes it really <laughs> like comical, so it's nice. I, I do. It. It's For me, I'm clowning around a lot, and the more I can clown around and be silly, the more I give you permission to clown around and be silly. Okay, good. That if I'm being too serious, then you're going to to be serious and yeah. the goal is not to be serious it's that's really like stressful to let then. go yeah it's to let go it's not about getting it right it's yeah. about having a good time so the dance and the moves that I'm doing is the framework around which you should just have a good time yeah. so if you're not getting the steps but you're having a good time then you've really met my goal it's not for you to yeah. look like me or get it right I wish I looked like you <laughs> Well, if you, yeah. if you like next time when you've taught like a thousand classes, yeah. <laughs> then then maybe we, we would we okay. would look the same. I practice a lot. I'm sure. I practice a lot before I bring anything to class. You could do like um, bat mitzvahs and stuff. I'm like I already have thinking done. like, I okay, Rivka just turned eight, but like it's so, so have, fun. In LA, I had a lot going on with all of this dance that people really loved it. So the Jew, the Jewish communities enjoyed it. And I would do, I did a lot of from bat mitzvahs, like backyard bat mitzvahs that were oh, wow. you know, just girls. Yeah. That was appropriate for my, my from crowd. From crowd. And, um, well, you yeah. said you taught in like Beis Chana. I did yeah. teach in, I taught, I taught in Beis Chana and I taught in Beis Yaakov. I oh, taught wow. Beis Yaakov. I taught, um, English and PE and I would, that was my PE class was Frumba. Wow. It was like Amazing. a Jewish Zumba class. So much fun. It was so much fun. Oh. Well, anyone who's listening, if you are having a bat mitzvah and it's going to be <laughs> post Corona when you hear this, like give Sarah a call because she's really fun. <laughs> 
and, and and I just think it's so nice also to hear you know we I, I've met you so many times but like I just learned so much more about you you have such a nice story and history and um, how you just found yourself as a teacher and as a PE teacher and a yeah a PE is like physical exercise physical, physical for those um, people yeah. who don't know um, but I think it's really really um, fascinating to hear like your whole way and now you're here in Amsterdam and we hope you stay a long time because you add really so much to our community thank you so thank you for coming here today thank you um, I, I think we could go on for like another two hours but you know the day is is is, is getting longer thank um, you for so. helping me giving me a space and helping me and bringing letting me meet so many people through you and helping oh, me share my gift that I have this gift for dance and I say at the end of a lot of my classes that it's really not fun it's not the same when I dance by myself for sure that I really need other people and I need the energy feedback is such a more meaningful experience to do it with others so um you know thank you for coming and showing up and being ready to play with me and (laughs) let it letting yourself be free okay (laughs) thank you Sarah and looking forward to sharing our next interview with our listeners. This episode of Aisha's podcast was recorded before January 2021 COVID-19 lockdown. Thank you so much for joining us today at our podcast. We hope you join us again very soon. To find out more about Aisha or to join one of our events, visit our website at Aisha Pintanel or check us out on social media, Facebook and Instagram, haisha.nl. The music featured in today's podcast is by singer and songwriter Sarah Hecht. Tot volgende keer! I've been wondering Just like a child who's lost his way And I keep fighting For the same